Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I am Joy Nakao, a teen struggling with substance use, suicidal ideation, depression, and anxiety. And I'm Beth Cyruson, Joey's mom, and I'm walking beside him while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Please note that this episode contains some swear words and mentions drug use and suicide attempts and may not be appropriate for sensitive listeners or younger children. So if you've been listening to the last several podcasts, you might notice that Joey's here with us today. So yay. Hi, Joey. <laughs> We're zooming in so we can see each other and he's at his dad's and uh, but we've been staying in touch and we've, we gave everybody a little update with the relapse episodes a couple of weeks ago. But do you want to just let us know how are you doing now, Joey? I'm doing okay, I guess. Um, life is not easy. Um, not like anything in my life, but mentally. It's like I've been struggling with depression and anxiety, um, substance use still. Yeah, it's just been, I kind of went back into my old paradigm, kind of spiraling down into a dark abyss of like not good behavior. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of culminated right before your birthday, right? That your birthday yeah. was really stressful. And then after your birthday, you sort of turned a corner. Yeah. But you uh but not what I'm seeing from you is that you want to feel better, but you're not taking the actions to do so yet. Yeah, exactly. So that saboteur is really strong. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, anything else you want to say about about how you're doing? Um, I I guess that um I still love the podcast. I always think about it. I really uh, want to be on here more and contribute more because it actually helps me. Um, and I really, uh, really, really appreciate all the uh, and listeners listening and taking the time to just listen to us and taking all the information that we have to say. Mm -hmm. Can you tell a little bit more about how it's helping you? Well, it's taking me out of myself. I have a tendency of not liking to help myself uh, over others. So by making this podcast, I'm helping other people, I, I hope. And it, it seems like that is a really good um, outlet for me rather than focusing on myself. Yeah, because uh, right now, the way the way you're feeling right now, you you don't give a shit about yourself. Yeah. Right. And so why would you want to be nice to yourself? Why would you want to help yourself? Hopefully that will shift as you keep working on things. And I hope you don't always feel like that for sure. But being able to help other people really motivates you. It always yeah. has, huh? Yes. So we uh, even talked about the other night, Joey, you know, working on these positive behaviors, not for himself, but for the pod. So the pod can keep going. And so we can continue to help more people. Yeah. yeah. And it the podcast is helping me a lot too, because it gives me an outlet for all of my anxiety about, about you and my own life, right? It gives me something to do that that is uh, positive and helping other people. And so we're really grateful. We love it when when people write notes on Facebook or 
Instagram or whatever, or email us. Uh, you can always email us at safehomepodcast at gmail.com, by the way. We love hearing, you know, if our podcast has touched you and if it's made any difference for you or your teen or your family or whoever. Yeah. So today our topic is pretty heavy duty, but it's something that we really think parents and teens should know about. And that is uh, psych hospitals, suicidal ideation, mental health issues that might land you in the psych hospital and what, what that's like, what's good about it, what's bad about it, what our experience has been. So how many times have you been hospitalized, Joey? Uh, in a psych hospital. Psych hospital, like six or more. I, yeah, I think around six. Uh, yeah, around six. So let's talk about the very first time. Yes. That, that's kind of fuzzy for me. Um, oh, it's not fuzzy for me at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very clear for me. I remember way I, too well, much. I, re <laughs> I remember the sobbing and just wanting not to be there but mm -hmm. not wanting to live at the same time it was like yeah. if to be honest with you it was like the worst feeling it's like i'm being a I, now that i think of it now that i'm processing it through the podcast and in my mind right now it's like i felt like i was being abandoned mm -hmm. at this place of like people of crazy like it felt like crazy people mm -hmm. but it's just people with mental illness i understand that now mm -hmm. it was just that like we were all going through something. Right, right. But you felt like we were abandoning you. Yeah, it's like putting me at separated. the yeah, at the footstep of a fire station. It felt like I was like, oh fuck. Oh, I know that must have brought up all sorts of that's your trigger, right? Um, yeah. that abandonment issue. Yeah. yeah. God. It was terrible. That was a terrible day. That was February 7th, 2019. And that was the day that you went to school and had just earlier that morning or that night before tried to kill yourself and your friend took you to the school nurse mm -hmm. and they said you can't stay at the school you need to go get help and so they called your dad and we took you to the er yeah i i, I ran down and took you to the er and then do you remember that going to the er that was actually very vivid. I remember when my friend took me and I remember sitting in the office, just like talking to all those, like, uh, not office, but like that psychological area, like the, um, like psych area, the counseling, people. The counseling area. Mm -hmm. And then they, they're like, yeah, I think I was telling them about how I just felt. And I was like, yeah, this is not good. It was super dark. I was like, I just remember scaring myself of how much darkness was coming out of my mouth. Yeah. 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 I'm sure it scared you. It's it scared the hell out of me. I'm sure it scared everyone at school and uh, I'm sure it scared your friend, but thank God your friends took you. Yeah. Would you have gone, you wouldn't have gone by yourself. No, I wouldn't have. I just, I, I, I told my friend that like, Hey man, like I told him what happened last night. And then like, he was like, yo, um, can, let's go. Like, yeah, I, I think Dude. I told him what happened, but I just like, I, I think I hinted to what happened and then I was like, yo, can we go to the office? Can you walk me to the office? And then like, he's like, yeah, of course. And he, I will always remember that friend. Well, then do you want to share what you tried, you know, your suicide attempt the night before? Do you want to talk about yeah, that a Yeah, yeah. Um, disclaimer. Um, but it was uh, trying to hang myself. Um, I, 
I think I've explained this in other podcasts where I, I go to a point of pain and then I have to stop. So I, I don't jump off a high like point to break my neck. I just go to suffocate myself. And I now that I think of it, I, I actually had this, um, I don't know what it's called, but like where you get high from like. Yeah, that's a real thing. So. Yeah. That's a thing for sure. And it's very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you did that the night before and that wasn't the first time, I don't think. No, I had attempted like three or four times before. Yeah. Okay. So that time you asked for help and, um, okay. So then I, I ran down there. Oh God, that was a terrible phone call from your dad. And then running down there, that was like the longest half hour drive of my life. It was Mm. terrible. I was, I was like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. You were at your dad's house and just, he didn't really know what to do. And so uh, I think I put you in the car and ran you to the ER and your dad followed. Mm-hmm. But you get in pretty quick at the ER when you're suicidal, just mm-hmm. FYI. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> they take you pretty quick. That, that and heart, you know, heart issues, they'll take you quickly. Mm-hmm. If you're bleeding, whatever. But if you say you're going to kill yourself, they take you in. And they then they put you in a little fishbowl in the ER and put a security guard right outside the door watching you 24 seven. That was actually the best point. You like that. Oh, good. If I were to stay in the hospital, I would, I would have preferred that over the psych hospital. Oh, if you would have just been in a regular hospital with a security guard, that would have been all you needed. That would have been perfect. (laughs) No, because like I had family, I had a security guard, I had doctors, Mm -hmm. I had, the right people around. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's reasons why they have it the way they do, but certainly our healthcare system isn't fabulous. But um, okay, so after we spent some time in the ER, they sent us to the uh, mental health people uh, through Kaiser, went to some guy's office for hours, and he talked and talked and talked to you. Isn't that where we got my drug test? Uh, no, you didn't get drug tested till the night the next morning at the hospital. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't even know drugs were on board at this point. I just thought you were suicidal. Yeah. So um, do you remember sitting in that guy's office? Yeah. The one at Kaiser, right? Yeah. And there was a security guard outside of his office too. Yeah. And then that one lady, she was a really nice lady. I remember her and she was like, she gave me tea or something like Aww. that or like water. Like, Aww. and I just remember that I was like in this moment of such distress, someone's been kind to me. Like, it's like oh. well, I have a little story about you. Do you remember offering that security guard half of your dinner? No. Yes. Yeah. We're in the middle of this crisis and I think Jan ran to get food and she came down. So we had all of us sit there. I think she brought food for all of us because we were there for hours. And you, I remember that it was, it was um fresh griller. Yeah, fresh griller. And you're like, do you want some food, man? And he's like, no, no, I can't eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think at that point we really understood what he was there for. But now looking back, I know he was just suicide watch, watching yeah. you, making sure you didn't try to hurt yourself. Yeah. And then so the the mental health guy there talked to you for quite a while. Yeah. Talked to us. And then he convinced you and us that uh, hospitalization was what you needed. Yeah. And I will never forget, he called it kind of like a retreat. Uh, it is not a retreat, but it is kind of like a, it was kind of like a reset, like a yes, a refuge away from regular life. 
no, it's definitely not a retreat. It's definitely a safe zone. Safe zone. Uh-huh. Safe zone. Yeah. But retreat kind of denotes, you know, nature and personal growth. So none of that. None no. of that. None of that. None. But then the next thing that happened was really scary for me. But I've heard you say before that you liked this part, that they had to call an ambulance to take you from the office to the psych hospital uh, because they were afraid that you would jump out of a car or, you know, fight with us or do something dangerous on the way. So they brought a gurney up. They strapped you down, strapped your arms down. That was like the first time doing Uh, that. And that was very anxiety provoking the first time the first time oh it was later times that you liked it yeah and then uh, we'll, we'll get into like the later times of being hospitalized but the first time if you ever hospitalize your kid they're gonna have a lot of anxiety because it's on it's like going to school for the know. first time it's going yeah. to- so the ambulance so i said goodbye to you on the gurney these nice young men took you in the ambulance and i followed the ambulance mm-hmm. like all the way to the hospital, but they went behind the building where the ambulance door was. And I went through the front door. Then we waited for hours in the hospital lobby and they had no idea where you were, what was going on, when we would be able to see you, when we could talk to you. It was like uh, a black hole. You just went into a black hole. We had no idea what was going on. And the, the receptionist guy was like, he was gruff and he didn't know what was going on. I mean, the communication at that place was horrible. Yeah. But uh, so why don't you tell us what happened? You got out of the ambulance, they wheeled you in. And then what happened? Uh, Going through the halls. Like, I just remember going through the halls being like, whoa, this is new. Like, this is, this is exactly what I was thinking. It would be like, like, not like, like people like, smearing feces on the wall but like the the image of like a hospital with those like white walls and like the like just kind of bland and then like hospital you know it's just like think of a hospital but like locked doors right locks that you have to get like keys to like unlock on both sides (laughs) yeah yeah it's very scary so yeah and it was not a beautiful place at all it was like brick walls and no window the windows you know the windows are blacked out Oh, all of them are blackout. Oh, that's sad. Why don't they want you to see outside? I don't know, but like, it's not like completely blacked out, but it's like, like fuzzed out. So you can't see the outside. Oh boy. Every single, every single psych ward. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't make sense. Oh, except for the one in like LA, the Valley. That one was a nice one. Oh, that was a nice one. Yes. There are, there are levels of hospitals. That's for sure. And maybe some of them look nice but still aren't very good services but you know whatever it would be nice if they looked a little nicer i would say but yeah because like setting is definitely a a a very important thing with someone who's in distress yeah so if you had like pictures of a lake or you know cuddly puppies or something wouldn't that make you feel better if there's like art or you know colorful things the llamo had that the first time i went well they did but then they painted over the like third time I went. Oh no, they painted over all the stuff. No, it was like oh. fruit on the wall. It was like beautiful fruit and like Aww. skies and like Aww. in each room. It was I a different color. Aww. But then like they painted over it. 
Oh, like, graffiti or something. That I I actually really am fond of Delamo. After um the first time I hated it. I I know I said so many bad things about it, but Delamo Hospital I would recommend because the staff there is incredible. Okay. Um, that's the, one in Torrance. That's the one in Torrance. The mm-hmm. I I don't remember. I think it's John is one of the uh, staff members. He 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 really was a um, mentor there for me and um another a woman there i forgot her name but she she got on my nerves the first time and i yelled at her acting all tough but then like at the end she remembered me from the first time so i went there i went there like five times yeah you've been there several several times and then the and then the last time i went there she gave me a hug oh oh that's so nice yeah i bet they just see everything there i god bless those people that are willing to work at those places i would work there i would work you would no, because I, I I relate to those kids. I've been to one. I'm not one of those staff members who's never been. Oh. So like, I want to be one of the staff members who understands. You would have a lot of empathy for the, the kids that are there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what else um, did they make you change clothes or anything? Or they made you strip down, do like a whole clothes check everything uh make sure you didn't have any weapons to hurt yourself or any like drugs or anything and then um they made you do blood the blood test mm-hmm. uh urine test everything like just a normal like physical essentially mm-hmm. yeah and the the searching the clothes thing is pretty intense what yeah. are the stuff that they would not allow everything like sharp objects um like even on your clothes, like shoelaces. Oh, shoelaces, because yeah, you can like a belt. Um, because think about the uh, suicidal uh, part of things. Yeah. Uh, the string in a sweatpants. Yeah, and they take those out no matter what you say, unless you you say don't don't give those to me. You can like have them stored away for you, but um, they'll usually lose it. Just saying. Yeah. 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 Don't say anything valuable to those hospitals. They no, just send terrible. cheap food, cheap clothes, cheap food, everything. Like, oh, you remember? I think it was like Delamo. You remember you could bring food at one point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to bring food to you all the time at those places. It was like after COVID or something. Yeah, after COVID, I couldn't even go see you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Terrible. COVID was horrible. I, we were yeah. stuck and then had no contact besides phone call with... um parents it was horrible we felt stuck and that was when i was in a rehab in uh, nevada yeah that happened at delamo too really after covid yeah because i you've been at delamo a couple times where i wasn't able to see you yeah no no no. i I was in delamo a couple times after nevada yeah yeah okay so they strip search you they go through every single thing of your clothing they look through the seams i'm telling you these people are thorough yes they look at every single piece of your clothing yep. to make sure you're not hiding stuff um and uh and when i when i would bring clothes for you you have to give it to them and then they go through it and maybe eventually it gets to you i don't know yeah and um yeah so we never got to see you that night we just had to go home yeah and we're like i don't know what's going on it was so terrible for us to just leave you there i bet you couldn't sleep that night oh it was terrible i mean that was like the worst day of my life but one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this is to tell other parents that that is probably the safest place your kid can be yes you 
no matter how much your kid calls you that night is just like call him but tell him no you this is the place i feel you are safest because in the situation you put them in there they were a harm to themselves mm -hmm. so if you can't keep them safe a hospital will and yeah. that's their whole job yeah so after somebody told me that they said no but that's the safest place for them that made me feel a lot better because you know i thought about like if he was at my house after just having tried to kill himself i mean how many hundreds of things do i have at the house that he could kill himself with if he wanted yeah. to and we have horses we have like lead ropes and chains and all sorts of things to hang yourself with yeah and we have everything sharp i mean it's like when you think about ways people could do themselves in it just about anything could could work so being at your own house if you're if your child is suicidal or a person you know is suicidal it's not a good idea yeah um so hospital is safe now let's see what kind of other kids were there all type of kids kids that were motivated to get help kids that were super depressed kids that were quote unquote normal there are kids that were just there because they low-key wanted to be there that like that was me at the last time i think you figured out how to get yourself hospitalized so I, I i know i knew i still know but i don't use that because i don't feel like i need to escape anymore yeah like, that was a, a way of escaping uh mm -hmm. because it, it would literally take me away from society yeah it's a little uh a little getaway it's a little reset. It's a little escape. Um, but yeah, Joey learned the words you need to use. Do not say what they are. No. <laughs> I don't want other kids to do that. Mm. But he learned what words will get you a ticket to the psych hospital. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, because people are not going to second guess you. If you're telling them that you will do X, Y, and Z, they're like, all right, you're going. Yeah. And it's called a 72-hour hold. Yes. And you can't come out no matter what. Parents can't pull you out. Nobody can pull you out. It's a mandatory hold, involuntary. Involuntary yeah. hold by the government mm -hmm. for your safety. For your safety, yeah. And the safety of others, too. The safety of okay. others if you're okay. homicidal, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, were any of the other kids scary or gross or anything like that? Oh, you'd find any type of kid there. Literally, it's surprising. You would never assume... Like, like I saw a jock of a football team, like the quarterback of a football team. I saw a druggie, like the worst druggie you could see. I saw a cheerleader of a high school team. Like you, you can, you see people that you would never expect to be suicidal. Wow. And what were they in there for anxiety, suicidal Suicidal ideation, anxiety, depression, uh, homicidal ideation, um, uh, sometimes even eating disorders, like sometimes because like they can almost get to a point of killing themselves. Yeah, right, right. So it's probably a little, sometimes a little way station before you can go to some other sort of treatment. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's, it's exactly what that is. It's to keep you safe. It's yeah. a hub for safety. Now, I thought they would help you. But no, it is not a place to help you. It is just a place to keep you safe. No, therapy, not a you get therapy, but it's like the minimal amount of therapy. And it's like with untrained people. 
Yeah, it's like five minutes and they say, hey, how are you doing? And I don't know. I it's, like, it's, it's a simple like five question resume thingy and it's like oh okay thank you i i'm just gonna go back to my depression like yeah yeah so that i was i was disappointed i'm like is somebody gonna help him and the nurses were so busy and they're like well if we have time we'll try to talk to him but i'm like oh i i don't know why i thought people would help you in the hospital but i would assume (laughs) you would think that but no 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 uh, but it still serves a purpose. So if your kid ends up there or if you end up there or somebody, you know, ends up in a psych hospital. Don't it, expect anything out of it. You're just there to be safe. Just to be safe and give you a couple of days to cool it, uh, sober up if necessary, and uh, give your loved ones a couple of days to figure out what the hell to do next. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next part is what to do next is really tricky. Yeah. Uh, so, cause I personally don't think 72 hours is enough for a person that just tried to kill themselves. Yeah, no, it seems like years when you're in there as a person who is the, the patient is patient. Um, every hour feels like two hours. And it's, yeah. like, it's like, Oh my God. And then they let us come visit you. And actually I think that first time you stayed about seven or eight days. Yeah. You stayed longer than 72 hours for sure that first time. Yeah. And we were able to visit you every day. They make the visiting hours like at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it was like, perfect, right? <laughs> who, like what working person can do that? Well, we did. One of us always went to visit you. Often, yes, all rotation, three of us. Yeah, yeah. We ended up not being able to be together. So we had to rotate in and out because just because we didn't... Um, we didn't all get along very well and it was causing stress. So we just made shifts Yeah, um, and we would bring you food and clothes. And I was, uh, I don't know, many people that are our friends that are listening to this might remember sending emails and cards Writers. and uh, pictures. To and- all the people that are listening that did send a letter, thank you so much. Uh, it helped, especially in Nevada. Uh, I remember one of my elementary school friends uh, I'm not going to say your name, but if you're listening to this, thank you so much. I remember that specific letter very much. Mm. So, yes, thank you. Yeah, that was great. I know it it might feel like you're sending stuff into a void and you have no idea if it's going to even reach him, but it did. And uh, it made a difference. Even just having a stack of papers that were from other people wanting you to feel better. I mean... Without even reading it, just getting a stack, I think, was helpful, yeah? Oh, yeah. Just knowing that it was people cared and wanted me to be better is what made me push forward. Yeah. So when we went to visit you, I want to talk about the visiting room. Oh, yeah. Because, okay, the furniture at these places... Plastic. It's plastic and it's, like, bolted to the ground. Yeah. And, like, there's no legs... Yeah. It's like a like a column or something to hold the table up. Or it's just a big like square, or like it's just a big square, or like no hard, no like sharp edges. No sharp edges. Nothing anyone could pick up. Yeah, it was very heavy or bolted down. <laughs> yeah, and oh, I remember that just making me so sad. Just like oh, criminy, he can't even have a table or a chair. Yeah, and the paper spoons, we've talked about that before. That was in Reno. Um, We keep talking about this place in Nevada. At a certain point, Joey kept running away, and we just could not figure out 
what to do with him because we would try to get him help and he would just run away. And so in California, there's no place that you're allowed to lock a kid in except for the 72 hour hold, but they can't keep you for very long there. So we needed you at a, uh, a long we were, term. Yeah. Like a residential rehab or place like that. So California, what they won't lock you in mm-hmm. at an, any sort of rehab or treatment center, I guess if it's not a psych hospital. Mm-hmm. So, but in Nevada, they will. Mm-hmm. In Nevada, they lock you in. Utah, I think Arkansas or something like that. There's a few states where they will lock you in. So that's what we tried next. Um, it was very expensive, but the insurance company paid for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank God. And it was um, extremely expensive and totally not worth it. it totally was, not. Uh, it was really terrible. I actually gained an addiction from there. Yeah, that's where you learned about the cough medicine. Yes. So, uh, so part of the problem at that hospital was COVID. Yes. Ha- halfway through, I, I don't know, four or five weeks in, he was starting to make progress. His therapist was helping. I think you were kind of... The woman therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like that psychiatrist? And then she left. Yeah. And then COVID happened. And then right away, someone on the staff died of COVID. Yeah. The f- right away. One of the first cases of death. Yeah. It was horrible. And so then we're like, well, what do we do now? Do we leave him there? Do we bring him home because of COVID? And it was, as you remember, no one knew what to do with COVID at the time. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Every kid, every staff member got it. And uh, luckily for Joey, it wasn't very serious for him. Mm-mm. But I'm sure it was scary knowing someone just died of it. And uh, we were all like saying, yo, this is our ticket out. This is a miracle. <laughs> like we said, like we we're like saying, oh, God is actually listening to us. <laughs> you th- How did you think you'd get out? Just because COVID would have. Yeah, COVID would have like shut the hospital down. Oh, yeah. I, w- I thought that they would send you home, but I would, I called the guy at Kaiser and he said, no, no, mental health. He, he needs to be there for his mental health. So. COVID or not COVID, he needs to stay there. I was like, okay. But what happened was the staff all zoomed in, mm-hmm. except for a couple of nurses or whatever that had to be on hand. Yeah. And even that was short staff because no one wanted to work in a place where someone just died. So there was very little supervision, very little therapy happening. And what was happening was on Zoom. So uh, any of your groups that were happening or, or activities, nothing it was low-key fun at the end for me i bet it was fun it was like lord of the flies but no it actually at the end it was better than the beginning just because you were loose and could do whatever you wanted no because remember what happened was the beginning was horrible there was no like structure Uh uh-huh and then we all came to our senses oh you mean the kids put the structure yeah yeah tell us about that well because we saw that we weren't getting treated and we wanted to be fair. And we understood that our parents are paying for the, or not, not all of our parents are paying for this, but maybe like we want to get the most out of this if we're going to be here for a month. Right. Mm-hmm. We learned, we all figured that out mm-hmm. and we were like, okay, we're going to make a democracy. Mm-hmm. And then we, we did that and it made flip the whole entire hospital around. We, um, we got snacks more. We got treats. We got TV, not TVs, but iPads. We we got privileges because of what we were doing. And that shows you if you work with the staff, work for yourself and work 
towards a better life, things will happen better for you. And that's just manifestation. And I, and I, I just believe in that. Yeah. So you guys, uh, coordinated yourselves, you elected, uh, leaders yeah. you organized and then you were less chaotic less violent less yeah. you were all working together completely so, less violent there was no fights at all the first day there was a fight the first and day then, you were there yeah. yeah first day i remember i was like yep i want to get out of here right now yeah yeah it was pretty scary yeah and he'd tell me that kids are fighting you well you fought at well, a yeah. Point. yeah because oh. yeah the, it changes people, mom. It's, it's, I know. It's uh, I wouldn't. I would never compare it to prison, but like it's it's like a it's like a something like prison where like you're not in society anymore. You're kind of like a wild animal in a cage. Yeah, and the problem is you got however many troubled teens all stuck in one place. I mean, that is a recipe for disaster right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like because because you all teach each other. And you all act out your behaviors that you're still trying to figure out. Exactly. And yeah, so it's not, oh, it's not very good. And they're at that particular place. It was just so understaffed and just chaotic. That was yeah. really, really. It's unfortunate, but it could have been better. I, I know it could have been better with the staff they had and how much it worked out in the end. Yeah, because you guys switched it up. Well, that was pretty cool that you did that. Yeah. And then Kaiser said, okay, that's enough. They Right, just boom, you're done. Yeah. And you were so not ready to be done. No, um, but I was so happy. You were happy to get home because what were you wanting to do when you got home? Relapse. Yeah, he was totally ready to relapse. Totally ready to relapse before he even left the place. So yeah. that was a tough transition. Well, let's talk a little bit about other you know, maybe positive transitions or what people should do to transition out of a hospital. Oh, go okay. So transitioning out of a hospital, you should go definitely into IOP or PHP. So IOP is in uh, intensive outpatient program. And then PHP is a partial hospitalization program. Uh-huh. And which one is the longer day? PHP. The PHP. Okay. So you go from a hospital to a PHP. Uh, which means you go like from nine to five, Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like being in the hospital. You got groups and you have individual therapy and you got, I don't know. Snacks. But then you get to go home at, at a certain time. You go home at night. Yeah. And so you do that every day for a couple of weeks if your insurance will pay for this. And it's, it's at uh, this whole different set of, it's not a hospital, but uh, it's like a, I don't know what it's called, like a treatment center, but that's all they do is IOPs and PHPs, these groups. And they just kind of babysit your kids, <laughs> your mental, mentally ill kids all together. Did you find those to be helpful at all, the PHP? No. No, that was sort of a, just a holding. It was a holding thing again, but it was just, if you weren't, if you were devoted to really getting help, you it would, it would definitely help. But like, I was not. Yeah. And, um, but they did drug test you there, yeah? Yes, and that is a good thing to do. Is the drug test you keeps liability. Yeah, so it keeps you accountable. So that helps you stay sober. But and then it once you're done with the PHP, then you do the IOP, which is a couple of nights a week, the similar kinds of groups. Just less hours. Yeah, just maybe like from six to nine, a couple of nights a week. Yeah, at least that's what ours was. Oh, and I forgot to mention family therapy. Oh, that is so not fun. Family therapy at those places. Oh yeah, the group family therapy. Group family. Oh Jesus, 
Family, uh, family support groups. Oh God, those were horrible. I like those. You did? What did you like about them? I like, no, I, to be honest with you, I enjoyed those because I, I get to learn from all the families. And then I also get to tell them about our stories. And I love it when we, it was really raw and like really got us all, all families just to open up about our like true emotions. And I think that's really good because you can do that at home, right? Easy. Well, not maybe easy, but like easier than in front of a bunch of random families. Yeah. Yeah. That was the tricky part. And sometimes, you know, we feel like we got thrown under the bus and sometimes just hearing these other kids' stories, like, oh, it was pretty overwhelming. And then being there with your dad, it's just always a struggle. So oh, yeah. those were not very fun for me, but I'm glad that you enjoyed them. Yeah. It was very eye-opening, though, to hear these other kids and what they struggled with. And and you, a lot of times you look at them and you're like, huh, what are they doing here? Yeah, no, literally. I'm sure they looked at Joey like, what are you doing here? You look normal. But the God, these kids, they can look normal on the outside, but they're struggling on the inside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Struggling. Bad. A few of the kids you can tell, like, they look like gang members or like... um you know, seriously depressed, kids. tough, tough kids, really depressed. But a lot of the kids just look like kids you'd see walking through high school. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for listening. And uh, I hope you learned a little something uh, that you can store away just in case anyone you know ever has to go to a psych hospital. Uh, that it, there are a lot of good things about it. And, you know, our health system is not not super great. So there's some really bad things about it. But uh, main thing we wanted to let you know is that it's a safe place. No, it's a safe place for someone who is in danger to themselves or yeah. others. Yeah. That's the, that's the summary. <laughs> and so if, if it, it, you just need to sometimes go there. Yes. And, it, and, it's, and it's okay. It's there for a reason. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, we want to remind you to keep in touch with us on social media, find us anywhere, uh, Social media exists at Safe Home Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube if that's easier for you or any of your podcast apps. And we are on Patreon if you would like to help us financially with a small monthly donation, patreon.com slash safe home. And we are using that those funds to help pay for the equipment that we have to buy for the podcast. And please tell your friends or family members about this episode and about our podcast. If you know anyone with struggling teens or preteens who aren't struggling yet, but who might uh, be heading that way, uh, go ahead and share this with them. That's our goal and our, our dream. Our desire is to help a lot of other families. So share away and um, we really appreciate all your support. Yeah, and remember to stay, stay safe. safe.